0: Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Funding provided by Robert Yeager and the Tau Foundation.
2: Faith, here with your welcome toast. It was John Mortimer who said... I refuse to spend my life worrying about what I eat. There's no pleasure worth forgoing just for an extra three years in the geriatric ward. In my it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We're in our culinary studio At the Big G Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven, we have five professional kitchens, part of their culinary program that we use, we can use, and it is an amazing thing. Okay, here's what's coming up on this great show, I think. Barbecue, brewery, and a beer garden all in one place in downtown New Haven. And anybody, no matter where you are, can come to this because it's at this certain exit on the highway. We're going to tell you about that coming up. What's this thing we've always had with cookbooks? Why do we love them? Plus, I brought in some of my treasures. I just ate the barbecue and drank the cocktails why are there not condos for all of us at this brewery <laughs> place? We're going to get to that after. My treasured food buddies are here. Senior contributors, Chris Prosperi, Alex Province, who is in Phoenix, Arizona and joins us in the studio from time to time. Hey, everybody.
3: Hey, Faye. Hey, Hi. hey Faye. <laughs> Hello. Hey.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. So we want to get into this thing about cookbooks. Certain ones we haul from
3: place to place. no question. And they look like we have, don't they? The cover on the top is ripped. The pages are all mattered and with food. Food stains and stuff. Yeah, and sticky and from splattering coming out of the pans. And And
2: Alex, though, there are shelves and shelves, I think, in all of our houses and a lot of people's houses – Of all kinds of cookbooks, although they're what we consider classics, and we turn to them over and over again. And I Mm. think this is true for Robin, too. Then there is that unusual shelf where I don't care what I haul from the classics. This shelf has to go with me. It's like a T-shirt. You know, where you have these T-shirts that represent your personhood, your history, and you have to take that T-shirt. You cannot throw it away. You cannot give it away. You have to have that T-shirt. Even if in the attic, you've got to have it. There are cookbooks like that. And it's usually on one shelf in a person's house. So we thought we would have some fun and talk with you about that. I'd like to invite you, if you too have a cookbook you cannot, no matter what, get rid of, would you talk with us about that on Facebook? You certainly can take a picture of it if you want and put it with your post. Just jump in, Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on Facebook. Chris, do you have one?
3: Oh, I have two. They were the first two cookbooks I ever owned. I got them the same day at the same store. Not only do I still have them, I still use them. And I used one of them just the other day to make chicken marabella. So you'll know which one that is, right? It's the Silver Palette Mm -hmm. Cookbook. And I've had it since the day it came out and oh, I, I use it book. and I put it away and every once in a while I pull it out and rip through it again. And then the other one is La Varenne. Do you know that one? Oh. Anne yep. William. She yeah. has a cooking school in France, Ooh, yeah. and to this day, I still use it. It's an you amazing, do? Yeah, it's an amazing cookbook. It has simple yeah. recipes and techniques in it, and sometimes It's even like as a textbook, a right? Yeah, France? it's like a textbook, but it has great step-by-step pictures, and sometimes you mm-hmm. forget different techniques, even as a chef, and you need that little reminder. And
2: did she have a cooking school back then yeah, in had, France? Yeah, she or? had a cooking
3: school in France back then, and it, I'm telling you, if you can still find that book, it's a treasure. Mine looks like it's yeah. been through a war and like you said it goes everywhere with me.
2: Okay, I'm going to jump in and say we're going to start with in my department. This cookbook which is called Who's Your Mama Are You Catholic and Can You Make a Roux. <laughs> <laughs> this is This is a family album cookbook and it was created by Marcel Bienveu and she's a Cajun home cook in Martinsville, Louisiana. And she worked for the legendary Brennan family. She had her own restaurant. Wrote for the New Orleans Times Picayune, and it is the most amazing cookbook. It's published in 1991. It was a gift to me by mail from someone named Luann, who used to own an antique shop in Clinton, Connecticut, wow. which was was like something closet, and. Yeah. One of my favorite recipes in this book is something called jar bread. Hmm. I am telling you right <laughs> Make now. bread in a jar? Yeah, Chris. This is incredible. It makes eight canning jars of bread. So essentially, <laughs> in, we're, we have this online at foodschmooze.org. You mix sugar and shortening. Then you add beaten eggs and water. You sift together baking powder, baking soda, salt, cinnamon, and ground cloves. Yep. Okay, all of those gettable. Then you add chopped nuts and blueberries. You spray the inside of the eight canning jars with cooking spray, and then you fill each jar halfway with batter. Put those jars on a cookie sheet. You don't have to do anything else. There's no water. <laughs> there's no bain-marie. There's yeah, no... Yeah. And you bake them for 45 minutes. And when they cool, you're advised to seal them tightly with a sterilizer. Nice. Now, this thing is so made cool. Them? Oh, yes.
3: <laughs> it's a great gift idea, too.
2: But here's my favorite part of this recipe when I first saw it. And I haven't done this, I have to tell you. She said, and if you want, you can get cotton socks and dampen them and then cut the top off and then slip them over oh, the sure. jar. And that moisture helps – Create what a Ban Marie, you know, that with that water in the <laughs> pan would do. Clean
4: socks, <laughs> yeah, yes. br- brand new <laughs> socks. Not, I not mean, how
2: cool used. is that? <laughs> I, I just thought I have to Cheesy make this. Bread.
3: Recipe. <laughs> That's a great recipe, though. Yeah, I, it's I, at
2: Fouchmousse.org. I'm telling yeah. you, this is an incredible recipe. You have mm-hmm. to try it. Okay, Alex, do you have one?
4: Yeah, we have uh, the Lucy Wagner family cookbook. So Lucy Wagner was Matt's grandmother, who was the matriarch and this great baker. So, his uncle Wayne Mitzner was able to take all the recipes, put it in this like red cray paper you know, with the like mm. typed out recipes. And it has this one bread that when Wayne makes it, it tastes like real French bread. And it's this no need bread that everything goes in and it just sits mm. for 24 hours or two days or something. Nice. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> it, like, or maybe it's days. a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no socks though. When it bakes, it has the huge spongy holes and texture. Like, nice. like you know what you're doing. So, he did a, a pretty remarkable job collecting all these recipes that would have been lost. But you know, it's not something that looks good on a bookshelf. Tell it, me it really... again,
2: where's this from?
4: Matt's grandmother is Lucy Wagner. She was a great baker. Yeah. So Matt's uncle collected all the recipes from her and bound them, and then gave mm. everyone a copy of of this family cookbook.
2: I love that. Yeah, those really are the do. best.
4: So, for the holidays, we'll pull out all these recipes. And the, the issue is, does anyone make it as good as Lucy, Grandma Lucy? And it's funny because some of the family members are actually good bakers and then some not so good. But <laughs> <laughs> you can, and, and no one makes it as good as Grandma Lucy. <laughs> this <laughs> is her. the radio. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Beep. I know
2: I love that. It's okay. And Jason Sobosinski is here, and everybody knows him from a restaurant in New Haven called Casius and Ordinary and Black Hog Brewery and something else we're going to tell you about shortly that is so amazing that's happened in New Haven. But yeah, I have, so a, lot of, I have a
1: lot of cookbooks. No, I know you do. I have a do lot do. of cookbooks. Yes, yeah. I have I have those dog-eared ones that I use the most, Cooks Illustrated, but that's my go-to for Home cooked meals that I'm doing at home, and I need inspiration. I go to, to your boy Jacques Papin. He's got that 15 minute meal one. Mm. That one's amazing. I know, I love that too. Cool. Um, I've got a venison sausage cookbook. That's it. It's got venison sausage recipes. I don't. Wow. I don't find myself having lots of venison that often. It's
2: like a teeny tiny <laughs> you know? repertoire at the <laughs> Sobiesinski house. Uh,
1: we don't. We but I. Those are the ones I go to read. I mean I, I have the full set of the modernist cuisine cookbooks that someone bought for me for Christmas. And I'm they're in a case. Yeah. I don't look at those.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> not without an advanced degree. Right. You no. Know, I, I, I. This is you know, like having – I have two big copies of the history of Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't look at those. No, I'm
1: not going to look at those. But the ones that I use most often would, would be my Cook's Illustrated. I mean those guys. I've got Kenji Lopez-Alt's book that's oh, pretty epic as well. Yeah, yeah
2: just, okay. Harold McGee. You I know, like the ones what that give explanations. Harold McKee'd me yeah. too. What is this thing? Well, I'm interested in what you say. What is this thing that we all have about cookbooks? I sometimes think were there people in the cave days painting pictures of how to cook the mastodon, (laughs) you know, or something about that over the fire? You Mm. bet they were. Well,
1: last Christmas, my mother attempted to do something like what Alex's grandmother put together, I assume. And she asked everyone in the family to put up one recipe. And she put them together into a collection, and she made a book, and she passed it out. And every year now, she's asking us for more recipes, Mm. and she's adding to that book. So we're going to have our own family cookbook that's growing every year, which is pretty cool. Okay. Tell
2: me this, though. What do you think is going on with us? I mean, you're documenting your family's history and people's interests. What is it that we have where we go out and buy cookbooks? I do it too. What know. is it about? It's a
1: compulsion. I don't know. I've I got know, so many but it's of them. i never for look a at. A
2: reason. What is it? It's an expression of creativity attached to something that we love, which is yeah. to eat and cook. Is that it, or is there some other thing going on, Conrad?
5: I get inspiration from cocktail books. So as chefs would see certain flavors being paired together in a cookbook um, that you wouldn't necessarily think of yourself, Yeah, you see somebody else doing something and it encourages you to take the fork to the right and, and really expand your horizon on different things that you're not familiar with. So
2: this is Conrad Maurice and he is like the head bartender guy and director of the cocktail program at Bears. In Hartford, West Hartford, and now New Haven. We're going to get to that in a a little bit. Okay, let me jump in and say I have one that I've always loved because I'm a fan of old TV series. And this book, this is Aunt Bee's Mayberry (laughs) Cookbooks.
3: Nice. (laughs) Nice. The Andy Griffith Show. (laughs)
2: in 1991, and it's based on the spirit of Aunt B, as they would say on the Andy Griffith Show. But a lot of recipes are from cast members, and pretty much these are all Southern recipes. And one of my favorite recipes is from a cast member, Betty Lynn. It's called, you'll know this right away, Thelma Lou's Oyster Stew. If you saw that series, you'll know who Thelma Lou is. And What's interesting about the recipe in this book is that that cast member who plays Thelma Lou really uses milk instead of cream with oysters. And I like that because cream is so unctuous. Mm. It can... Overshadow the flavors in the oysters, that saline, subtle thing. Yeah. And milk doesn't do that. So I kind of like that she did that.
3: These are the cookbooks that I love so much. And I'm not buying new cookbooks anymore for some reason, like new releases. But I go to all these old bookstores and I look for books like that mm. because of the nostalgia of it, I think, right? Even if you're not going to cook from it, just looking through it and brings back memories of different times. So what about the better? Crocker red and plaid cookbook. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. I have like three versions <laughs> yeah. of that.
1: Have you ever looked at the different versions over time? I did a paper mm-hmm. on the Fanny Farmer book yeah, over time. Sure. And it was really wild because the serving sizes changed get bigger. over time. Bigger. And they got <laughs> yeah, bigger. The, the jello molds wild. change
4: color. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like the yeah. amount the amount of meat, the amount of fat, it was like, yeah, yeah, we can eat more now.
2: I had these French bistro plates. Somehow I ended up with four and not six, so something must have happened. And I went online to order them, and I looked at them, and I said, oh, that's not the dinner plates. (laughs) This must be the appetizer plates. This must be the salad plates. And I went and measured my plates in the house, and I thought, oh, my God, these are the dinner plates. Okay, here's one which is collectible. When I first seriously started getting into cocktails, I was staying for a couple of weeks in Provincetown on the Cape. To my amazement, there was this shop that had opened. I'd never seen this before. And it was featuring collectible barware through the decades. And I wanted these silver-rimmed glasses that were from Mad Men. Mm. I just thought, I need to have these. You know, whenever they're sipping scotch, they're using these glasses, and they're very famous. So all of a sudden, I start looking around the shop, and I fall madly in love with this book. It's called Just Cocktails, and what do I do but buy it? And it's more expensive than the glasses, (laughs) (laughs) It's published in 1939, the typeface, the graphics, incredible. In this book, it makes the case that Americans have always been the best cocktail makers in the world. And here, they claim, are the grandest recipes to prove it. The outside of this book is made of wood. It has copper hinges that are so gorgeous and inside the graphics, as I said, 70 astonishing. Years old. Yeah, really, Crazy. just amazing. Then I've got this joy of cooking, of course, that is oh, that's classic um, too. From the early forties, I have no uh-huh. idea where I got it. But here's one. Let me hold this up for you. This is from my dear pal Caroline Morton, and one Christmas she gave me a 1918 copy of How to Set the Table for Every Occasion. And it is printed on linen. When I got to this, I couldn't believe it. This is called Various Ways of Announcing a Meal. It says here, a meal is always announced to the hostess or the head of the family. Except in rare cases, the woman at the head of the family is the mistress, and all domestic (sighs) orders are given to her and taken from her. In announcing a meal, the maid appears at the door of the room and stands there till she is recognized by her mistress when she says dinner is served or luncheon is served. Sometimes in a country place (laughs) – I can't even do this (laughs) – where the family or guests may be in various parts of the house (laughs) – (laughs) know what they're doing or on the galleries outside a gong is used as an announcement of a meal being served (laughs) then it goes on about how breakfast is treated differently and then it says at the very bottom two minutes before announcing the meal the water glasses should be filled with water that has been iced the glasses should be two-thirds full of water not more also butter form should be placed on the bread and butter plate And it goes on from there. I thought that was so, it's very Downton Abbey. It's it's from a different
3: time. Well, well, also, we that triangle it's that basically you, white people. Arizona.
2: I mean, yeah.
4: no, seriously. <laughs> no, seriously.
3: The building I'm in now is from 1906, yeah. and one of the rooms was their main dining room. And you could totally see that scene happening in that house in 1919. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: oh boy. Okay, so I'm inviting you to tell me, us, on Facebook, if you have a special, funny, unusual cookbook that means... A lot. A church recipe collection. A classic from long ago. Something, I don't know, self-published. Let us know. Take a picture of it if you want with your phone. I'm at Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on Facebook, and we're looking forward to hearing from you. Oh, wait till you hear about this place that is opened in New Haven. No matter where you live, it's right off the exit on the highway. And I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you'll make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. Not
5: just flavor in my food. I want some flavor in my life my garlic, your sugar for my spice. Simmer, bake and boil it. Feed me for my health. Don't want nothing
2: I'm Faith Middleton. You can sign up for our free podcast, which is a copy of the show, and it will arrive in your inbox. If you've never done it before, go to foodschmooze.org. I'm with my treasured food buddies and more guests, whom I love. We have Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of the new Metro Beast restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. They have just changed to a new location and historic building. Amazing. And we have wine broker Alex Province who is joining us from K JZZ in Phoenix Arizona sometimes he's in our studio here in New Haven and our special guest Jason Sobosinski of Omo which is a farm to table restaurant in New Haven where Bagels will bring you to your knees. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, <laughs> but that's going to bring you to your knees. Jamie the Bear McDonald. We're calling Jason, Jason the Bobcat. So-
6: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jamie the Bear McDonald. And um, Conrad, or Rad, Maurice, who is the cocktail person for this new situation that we have in New Haven, you must try this, I'm telling you. It's called Bear's Smokehouse at the Stack. The Stack is a kind of point for a neighborhood in New Haven. And it's right off exit six. You come off the exit and you take a right. And the restaurant is right there. This is the Bear Barbecue. I am telling you, it is unbelievable. We just had it on the show, but I've had it many times before. It's astonishing. They have a brewery and they have a beer garden. And this is all on James Street, technically. In New Haven, welcome, everybody. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. you. So here's what I want to know. If you're
0: doing a style of barbecue, what kind is it, Bear? It's a combination of Kansas City, Texas... Carolinas, uh, a little bit of uh, international flavors in there. Uh, you know, our, our <laughs> Connecticut. Are, our, our I don't know little, what all that means, but it needs, it's just—it's I've traveled all over, all around the world, and I kind these of these are dark yeah, sauces. Yeah, yeah, pick, like, pick stuff from each place that oh, I thought was the best, and kind of integrate it, it into one. It is
2: amazing. If you had just the barbecue on a plate, even push the sauces to the side. Absolutely amazing. So
3: if you're a paleo eater. But you know what I was thinking when you were asking you to define it, it's defined already now in Connecticut. It's Bears yeah. Barbecue. Yeah. It's it's not Kansas City. It's not Texan. It's not this. It's not it's Yeah, like he said, a combination of what he likes and what he's seen. We just know it now as Bears Barbecue.
2: OK. So here's what I want you to imagine. You're coming down the highway and let's say you're coming from the New York area. So you switch over from 95, and it becomes magically 91. And then there's an exit called five. Okay, it's basically right there at the end of the exit. You take a right, that's it. You'll see this big stack. Okay, that's number one. Number two, let's say you're coming from the Hartford region Mm -hmm. or – the shoreline in Connecticut, you get onto 91 and it's the same thing. It's <laughs> exit number five. Why am I telling you that? Because there are 250 parking spaces in that parking lot. Why? Heaven. Why? Because they have a huge concert stage. Why else am I telling you that besides the barbecue and the cocktails and all the other stuff? Because there is a lawn area between it all with all these special chairs. This is an unbelievable concept. Okay, so could it get better? Because Jason is about to open a huge beer garden in this place with those long tables. When I was in Munich, I did this, and it was so astonishing. We'd get
1: steins of beer. Do you have steins, We Jason? have steins. Yeah, we've got 32-ounce steins. We've got 16 taps. You can okay. load pretty much anything into a stein. We're we're, we're kind of limiting. all over
2: Connecticut. Or? So we got
1: we've got beer from all over Connecticut and we've got a bunch of beer from Germany that we brought in too. Cuz this is we are trying to go for that German beer concept and good old German pilsners really go well with barbecue. Clean, refreshing, load it up on a big stein, sit down, get a pile of brisket, tuck in.
2: So Bear, you're doing that kind of Kansas Texas stuff. So this isn't super sweet. This is Everything. If you want sweet, you can have it. If you want something more earthy, you can have that too. You can mix those two sauces together as I did. The cuts of meat, I'm just an admirer of yours in terms of the quality of meat that you get. How long do you cook this stuff for?
0: It depends. So like say like the beef, whether it's brisket or beef ribs, those go for about anywhere from say 15 to 18 hours. Pork, which we use uh, bone-in pork butts.
2: If you're a barbecue person as I am, when I say these words, like me, you too are going to fall to your knees. Burnt ends.
0: <laughs>
4: <Yeah.
0: laughs> burn ends are, are, are a traditional Kansas City item. If you want to talk about Kansas City barbecue, it's burn ends. That's where they originated from. What does that mean? It's a part of the brisket. It's the deckle of the brisket. So say so you have a 14-pound brisket. You have a part on it that is a little bit more. I'll call it well marbled. It's uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of flavor in there, but that's only about two pounds of that whole whole entire brisket. And say somewhere like in Texas, they would just slice that and they call it fatty brisket.
3: Yeah, Um, which is
0: (laughs) fantastic. But in Kansas City, Mm -hmm. what we do is you cut that. We call it the point. We cut the point off. You season it some more. You smoke it some more. You cube it up. Get let it get a little crusty, yeah. so it's we call them like meat candy. It's like a meat M M&M. and M. So it's a little bit <laughs> crusty on the outside. It's nice and soft on the inside. Put that on his meat mac candy. and cheese
3: Faith. and yes, exactly. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, that's it. Just you're done. So, so, so yeah. just sweet before the
2: show, they brought us sweet potatoes Aye. and broccoli. The smoke turkey, which was astonishing, and the brisket. So Jason Sobosinski, I know you're going to be doing all these different beers there that you're making at Black Hog Brewery in Oxford, Connecticut, and you're known for that. I want to hear about this concept from the two of you about this idea
1: of the beer garden. It's the whole atmosphere of being outdoors, So the the history of the beer gardens where the German brewers would have to take beer out into the forest and they would bury the beer in the forest because the trees would provide shade. And so it would be like a cellaring. It would be a cooler spot. And they would dig the beer up when it was ready, when it was fermented out. And then they would think to themselves, well, why do we have to carry it all the way back into the city? Let's just drink it here. So they had people come out and they would – Dig it up and have really? a beer garden. And so, it's like a treasure. Exactly. exactly You've planted the beer and now you're harvesting it and you're drinking it. And so we we have this wow. amazing outdoor space. It's got an outdoor container bar. So it's a shipping container that's been converted into a bar. This is really wild. And we've got these really awesome long tables. They were built by a, a New Haven local blacksmith and they're absolutely oh. beautiful. And the atmosphere is going to be really chill and fun. And there'll be tons of lights, beer, and- lights, and heaters. So we can open as soon as possible. You know, there's still some snow on, on it a little bit here and there, but we're <laughs> going to get there. Um, but the concept of the in house brewery is not just to brew our own beer. Because there's a lot of beer out there right now, I didn't know if you've noticed that. Um, so we want to do something different. We want to invite all of our brewer friends, and we're planning on doing collabs. So I've got about a year and a half worth of collabs. Oh, we're set talking up.
2: about collaborations. We're talking and about the,
1: collaborations. So we're talking about the
2: cool speak.
1: <laughs> we're talking about collabs. You got you know it like rad. I'll be honest. Sorry, Alex. There's not that many wine collabs <laughs> going on anymore. <laughs> but in the brewing community, brewers like to get together. And they like to brew beer together, so we've lined up collaborations with New England Mm -hmm. Brewing Company, Allagash up in Maine, um, the guys at Five Churches who just opened up. The 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 list goes on and on. And there's
2: a cider for gluten-free people.
1: We always have a cider on tap, and it's a dedicated cider tap, so it'll never be. uh, Your
2: cocktails are obviously the
1: cocktails are amazing.
2: When I was in Munich a thousand years ago, I was in college. The thing I remember most about being there was that sense of community at those big, long tables. Everyone was just having the most fun, and I remember hooking up with a whole group of people, and they were older, and they said, we're going to teach you a song, and it was, let me see, honestly, here I am all these years later, (laughs) voix coucou, And then it went on from there I think Kevin Chase
4: m- sang that song, Faith. When we
1: open the beer garden, <laughs> you have to come She's down. The She's the opener. You, you have hired. to come down, and you have to start a chorus. Uh, <laughs> and everyone will be smacking their steins together, and you will yeah. you will run the song.
2: So just amazing, amazing fun in that place. So I'm excited to see that there's going to be a beer garden. It's going to I'm be really, awesome. Really excited. And then all this barbecue. It's a match made in heaven. Okay, let me switch over quickly for a second to Conrad. I call you Rad. Rad Manier, You've got these big big cans. What goes in these?
5: So we actually uh, give the opportunity to our guests to take beers home. How about uh, getting
3: takeout and grabbing one of those, huh? Exactly. No, seriously. Hello? <laughs> It's, it's pretty fun because we, we seal fierce. the two. can right yeah. in front of you yeah. it's, a, it's
1: a pretty cool process of watching yeah. the can spin yeah. the two wheels come in and just crimp the can seal right. the crimp over yeah. and it's wild and then, yeah. and then it's sealed It's, it's, it's good show. take it home you can throw it in your fridge when you crack no. it it's a p-ts.
2: You don't do cocktails in that can but you do have cocktails on tap
1: We
5: do. Really take the weight out of um, Mm. a craft cocktail.
2: We love craft cocktail bars. Mm -hmm. I do too. Right, Alex? It's so Mm. much fun. We do have to admit that it takes time for the bartender to craft that cocktail and then there are people ahead of you, and then other people are behind you, and then it has to be delivered, and the place is busy, and, you know, that's a thing.
3: I even get impatient sometimes, no? Yeah.
4: It
2: could become a lengthy
4: process to get a drink. Are you shy to order for other guests around you? You don't want to, like, take up the bartender's time?
2: When you're in a big place like this, it can be really great that someone has pre-mixed those drinks for you and they can get it to you in, in a couple of minutes. <laughs> so that's the concept. Not
5: only do we do that with the draft cocktails, but we also try and batch our non-perishable ingredients for other drinks. So instead of picking up six bottles for six different ingredients, we're able to pick up one bottle, add our fresh juice, our fresh herbs, our other ingredients.
2: You mean you're working with
5: the kitchen? Uh, no, we just have those ingredients on in the bar. But we're expediting the cocktail process. So, same concept with the draft cocktails, we were able just to pour quickly. Um, Hmm. Our other drinks that aren't on draft, we are able to execute very quickly.
2: Okay, so let me just get into a couple of your cocktails because this was something. We're featuring the Bears. You might know them from Hartford, West Hartford, Windsor, Connecticut. Now they're in New Haven. And they're at exit number five. You can just look up and see the smokestack and know that they're there. It says the district on that smokestack. But no matter what direction you're coming from, they're right there. This summer, there's going to be a whole outdoor beer garden and concerts and lawns and and all that stuff. So you did this cocktail, which is so amazing, there's a, a winter sangria, which is uh, citrus vodka, Cabernet, apple brandy, lemon and allspice. Great idea, rat. Also, you did the riverside, which was vodka, lemon juice, blood orange, ginger liqueur, spice and topped with club soda. I love that mm. cocktail. Congratulations on that.
5: Thank you. It's named because we are right on the Mill River. So the river runs along the side of the property?
2: New Haven is, as some would say, the restaurant capital of Connecticut because there are more restaurants than anywhere else in Connecticut. So I think I'm asking you what is your philosophy, Jamie and Jason, about how to handle, not, I don't mean the competition, because there's so much room for so much creativity. But how do you think about that? There are so many people to go around. How do you think about how that affects the quality of what you do, the expense of what you do? You know, this is one of those serious, hard questions. Tell me how you think of it.
1: You got to put out the best possible product, and you got to respect your customers enough to give them the best possible price. And then. You have to give them exceptional service. That's, I mean, I don't think there's that much to it.
0: There's no other food. There's no real real magic. Right? Good food, good service, good price. That and doing something that's unique is, I think, key. You know, there's a lot of sandwich shops. There's a lot of, you know, whatever. Even ramen shops now, there seems like there's one opening every week. So, you
2: know, Jamie or Bear, (laughs) that we have in New Haven for a long time been desperately wanting. You to come to New, to New Haven and now from here. the whole Hartford area, <laughs> and, and you are here. We have Jason. You know, we think, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. think yeah. in yeah. Hartford, Bobcat. you don't have Jason. <laughs> we have, have Jason. Jason. Hey, but you have, you have Jamie the bear. And then we think, oh, what if
3: we could put these two together? And here it is. I think he's being modest, though, because honestly, Bears is, is his institution in Connecticut. And it's not just the barbecue. It's the fact that he's part of the community. He's part of the restaurant community. And he gives back so much to the communities that he's in. In Hartford,
4: yeah. he's done so much as well. I know, yes. you know, we live part time in Hartford and people love Jamie there. I mean, he's done so, so much. He's really part of the community and it's taken a lot of chances and has really changed stuff. Hey, uh, and really Alex,
2: work. I think in reference to what you're saying, Jamie's philosophy has been to pay every single person in the restaurant, from dishwashers all the way to cooks, at least $15 an hour. And that is... A step toward making a middle class. I was so touched when I heard that you did that. So good for you. Yeah,
0: no, it's it's just our way to give back to our employees that without them... It's like
2: profit sharing, Yeah, right? without
0: them, we wouldn't be where we are. And it so, works for you, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We've seen, you know, increased efficiencies. You expect them you know, to work hard, though, <laughs> yeah, right? No, yeah it's, oh, yeah. it's not for nothing. You know, we they work very, very hard. But at the end of the day, you know, is it a living wage? No, it's not quite there yet. But... Mm. It's a, a lot better than the way. say normal, you know, normal restaurant work. Yeah.
3: See, that's what I was trying to say. Going to Bears is not just a restaurant; it makes you feel good eating there because you know he does so good for the communities that he's in. Mm.
6: Maybe that's why it tastes so good. There's
3: yeah,
0: a lot the of good is, karma in yeah, good barbecue. sauce. No, <laughs> it's
4: good for your soul. Yeah. All yeah. the right. good love I mean. for your soul, right? You, or it you could feel just it. be good barbecue, though. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That's
2: <laughs> <true. with that. laughs> this is an amazing. Addition To the New Haven community Thank you both so much Thank all three Thank of you yeah. Thank you guys Thank you for having us Thank you We love the logo Please support your local food growers And food makers If you want an on-demand podcast Of the Food Schmooze Party every week And to find all of our recommendations Go to foodschmooze.org And we'll be right back
6: What's my problem?
0: Too much. That's my problem.
2: Is the Fuchmooz Party offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the East End of Long Island, and the Hamptons? Of course, the senior producer is the amazing Robin Doyen Aiken. And to hear the show on Connecticut Public Radio, it airs Thursdays at three and nine, and Saturdays at noon. Podcasts, our curated recommendations are always online at o r g. Before we get to things that you have written to us, I wanted to introduce you to somebody. This is Christy Balasiano, she is from Easter Seals in Greater Waterbury. And they are doing, for chocolate lovers, the 26th annual, Chris, Chocolate and Food Festival. Alex, I know you're at like a <laughs> I a chocolate. total chocolate guy. Okay, so that's on March 9th, which is a Saturday. It's in Naugatuck at the event center. But the point is, when I was looking at this, they wrote into us, and I thought, you know what we have not done in the longest time is talk about, Chris, what Easter Seals does. Oh yeah. It's yeah, so yeah. important. Yep. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank it's you for having me. Great to have you here. So how would you put it, what Easter Seals does?
6: Easter Seals is a resource for all people and families that face disability every day. Awesome. Well what kinds of things would hmm. that be? Could be anything there are hearing disabilities, there are physical mental disabilities, any kind of disability. Easter seals is a resource for those people and those families.
2: before we get to the chocolate, Alex, Chris, and Robin. this is the thing for me where nature is so amazing, and something is born into nature, and it 's not necessarily you know what we call perfect. It has some challenges. If you're the parent or the family member of someone with this great challenge, what do you do? And that's where an organization like Easter Seals comes in. That's really the reason I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. I just thought, how many people do I know whose kids have this
6: thing?
3: And Easter Seal helps.
6: We have all kinds of programs that we offer um, at Easter Seals that help all kinds of people that have different kinds of disabilities. We have programs birth to three. Our patients start at age zero, and they go all the way up to age 105 at our Center for Better Hearing. Wow. Yeah, we have programs that help. um, Why am I thinking it's just kids? No, it goes all the way through age 105. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. We have programs that help young adults who face challenges finding a job and we have employment and community services that help them you learn the skills of trade and then do meaningful work every day Mm -hmm. and these individuals are so happy and they don't sit home every day and they really have a purpose and it really is very rewarding
2: So what do you do? I don't blame you. You have a chocolate event, chocolate and food. As we mentioned, this is in Naugatuck on March 9th from noon to 5. What's the chocolate element?
6: People love chocolate, and they love to eat, and they love to sample. So we've created a fundraiser right around it. (laughs) It is our largest sampling event of the year. Anyone can come in and they can sample delicious chocolates and candy apples and
2: Does people donate it or do you have to buy it?
6: We have vendors who are coming in. We have over 60 vendors who will wow. be there sampling their products and so there will bakeries be
3: bakeries and chocolatiers.
6: Yes, absolutely. Very they will be cool. um, when you walk into the building and you smell that chocolate oh. smell. It's just so,
2: incredible. So this is good for them, Christy, right? Because We sample what they have, then we think to ourselves when we try it, I'm going to go there, to their store, and at the same time, they are doing good for all of your clients. It's just a win every which way. Not only can you go to their
6: store, but you can also purchase on site.
4: Chocolate for the car ride home.
6: (laughs) Exactly. So we have uh, caramel apples, and we have fudge, pretzels, and truffles, and... Hot chocolate? Hot chocolate with Smirnoff. Mm. Adult hot
2: chocolate. Uh, I
6: know. It's the perfect season for hot chocolate and a little touch of alcohol. Go to
2: foodschmooze.org to get the link to reserve your tickets for the Easter Seals chocolate tasting, chocolate and food.
6: 100% of the proceeds go back to Easter Seals to support our programs and services.
2: Oh, I like that. Amazing work, amazing purpose. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
4: And, and you get chocolate.
2: <laughs> and really enjoy yourself in the process. Saturday, March 9th. Thank you, Christy. Thank you so for, much. For what you do. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. I'm with the Food Moose Gang. We have Alex Province, Robin Doyon Aiken, the amazing producer, and also a participant on the show. And we have Chris Presbury of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. Hey, let me say an email to all of you. A woman writes in, and this is Michelle Tessier, and she says, I may have missed a show featuring the Instant Pot, but I don't think so. I hope you will do one on the Instant Pot. I got one for whatever holiday. Mm -hmm. And she said, I just made meaty baby back ribs Mm -hmm. on my first try, start to finish, in under an hour. Love that. Now, that can take several hours. And um, so a few minutes for the dry rub. Then she put it on pressure, the Instant Pot. and I don't have an Instant Pot, so I can't testify...
3: Oh, Chris. I have a confession. You have one. I have her. a confession. <laughs> Not only do I have one, but I'm putting my crockpots away.
2: Uh, no. Oh No. Yes, no. I am. It's the end of an era. Are you? The, Tell, me why. Tell me why. 100%
3: serious because the Instapot is taking over. It really is. It does exactly what a slow cooker can do, but it yeah. does so many other things it as also well. Does what, what a pressure cooker what a pre- do? What a steamer would but do? wait, what, there's uh, more. Yeah, but wait, there's more. No, seriously, <laughs> I got one for Christmas. I brought it into the restaurant. We use it almost every day. Really? It is life changing. It is, I, <gasps> and I don't say that lightly because You're there's going to be a tax sale. I should sale. give up yeah.
2: my slow cooker. <laughs> and get an,
3: is and it. Is so, it easy to use? It is so easy to use, Alex. An instant and
2: pot instead of my slow it cooker. It is a
3: slow cooker. It is a pressure cooker. It is a, a steamer. That's the cool thing about the Instant Pot. It can cook things fast. It can cook things slow. It makes rice. It does everything that. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, I'm telling you. And I have a lot you know, of problems. I, I pots. mean, I know. Yeah. I
2: just I don't have room for more items.
3: I but just, and so I said, I'm sorry, oh,
2: yeah, people. I can't. I don't know. No, you're saying yeah, I, I don't should know. give up. Your comes they're
3: cheap though, right? They're a little. They're, they're a little expensive. bit more, but not if the not if you consider they're taking the place of. You know, basically three, if not four different things.
2: This must items. sound so ridiculous to many people because they've had them forever. Yeah, they've been around and, for years now. But I'm just like, oh, my God, I cannot fit another okay. thing you in know my what? kitchen. I
3: will make something in my Instant Pot and you bring will? it You will? Yeah, I'm telling you. It's what are you going to make? Me. You tell okay. me. I can do I so mean... many things in it. Make the barbecue I've made, ribs. I've made stews in it. I've made soups in it. I've cooked octopus in it. i made <gasps> chili no. in it. I've uh, We use it. Does for it brown stew. things? So, oh my God, it browns things. It does? It saute, does. You turn it on if you're going to make a stew. You can turn it on to a high setting and brown your meat and your vegetables and then okay. turn it on to low. Or Do you have tur- to be
2: kind of an engineer type no, person. It's so yeah, easy to use. Has can I use it, Chris? Yes, you can you use don't it. Do you not have one, Alex?
3: Yeah, Alex, no. I'm telling you, you got to try and get one.
4: We have so many things. I was reluctant to get another, no, but but this, Chris one, is this one's me.
3: replacing other things. So this isn't taking up more room in your kitchen. This is making more room in your Here kitchen comes, because it literally. You, remember,
2: we all years ago bought the fuck the slow cookers. at tag sale. Here we go again. 30. Here come the day. T- Come the slow cookers at our tag no.
3: sale. Oh, I'm gonna. I Aww. think I may have to sell them you all like, at once. Yours are like named, Chris. Or I somebody. named. <laughs> they're like my kids. Are there? Are there levels? <laughs> different sizes. Get... But that's a. Mm. If you have a big family, you get a bigger one. If you have a smaller family, you get a smaller one. It's as simple as that. How about for four people? Where would you go? Yeah, I would get the smaller one for four people. Because the big one, I've done stews for eight to ten or twelve people in the big, big one. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, let's promise
2: you. our listener Michelle yeah. right now that we are going to have a segment okay, and a whole co- an instant yeah. pot cookbook will feature. Yeah. I know a couple of authors. I that do want too. To come in.
3: Close so, by. That's right. <laughs> yeah.
2: So we will be covering this topic in yeah. great detail. Um,
3: right. I just have one more. <laughs> so thing. she
2: writes. I just want to say to Michelle, <laughs> okay, thank you so much. I love the show no matter what. But would you really ahem, devote a show or two? To the recipes for the Instant Pot. Okay, Michelle,
3: we're going to do it. And I'll give you one more before we go. You ready? Wait, wait. One more before you go. You ready? You can take things out of the freezer, put it in the Instant Pot, and cook dinner. And that's just all I'm going to say. We'll leave inside. it at that. It does everything for you. It's does it make ice cream? Frozen? Crazy. Yeah. It, it just that. We'll leave it at that. And I'm telling you, it's, right, it is. D- I've I've not I i not it. said anything. Here. Robin
2: has said she's got the books <laughs> yeah. to go with it. All right. I've not said anything because Alex, I feel you and bad. I are going to learn. We're going <laughs> to yeah. listen and learn. Yeah. We are so
3: behind. All and right. for me to say I'm getting rid of the crockpots. I'm crying. No, that's a bit. impossible. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do with them anymore. I just, I, I have a shelf. I'll just put it like a museum. I'll put them behind glass. Built <laughs> something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I promise we're gonna
2: do it, yeah. folks. Yes. You write in and tell us what to do. We're on Connecticut Public Radio, Thursdays at 3 and 9 p.m. and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, listen for my 60-second food schmoozes and never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton.
0: When they come to
2: my Hey, don't want the party to end? Well, neither do we. Talk with us anytime online at foodschmooze.org.